TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. My guest uh, today probably needs very little introduction. He is the celebrated and very accomplished concert pianist Byron Janice. He joins us on the phone from his home in New York City. Hello, Mr. Janice. Hello. First off, you were recently uh, here in Pittsburgh uh, celebrating your 88th birthday. Congratulations and, and a belated happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. And it was also my 50th anniversary of my marriage, Maria. Cooper <laughs> C- Congratulations. Uh, I understand you threw out the first pitch at a Pirates game. I did. That was well, <laughs> And I didn't realize, actually, how much, how much it meant to do that. Because everywhere I was going, you threw out the first pitch. Wow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> much more reaction than at concerts. <laughs> Even, yes. Uh, but it was... Uh, it was it was a really because I've been a baseball fan since I was five years old. Let me ask you though, because you've been an advocate for for people who are suffering with arthritis, and you yourself have uh, been uh, living with arthritis for for many years now. Yes, since nineteen seventy three. So that must have been. How did you prepare uh, your your hands to to throw that baseball? You know, it was I I kind of proved something that I believe in very strongly. It doesn't always work, but it can work. And that's kind of a mind over matter. Okay. Because, because my first problem was when I was 11, and I put my hands through a glass door window. And I, after the operation I lost, they, they uh, cut the tendon oh. and nerve in that finger. And since 11, that finger has no feeling. That is a very significant handicap for someone very, in your line of work. A serious handicap. For pianists, because that's a very important finger. Both little fingers are important because one is sort of the melody, for the right hand is the melody, and then the left hand is the bass. Uh-huh. The bass, and they're very important. But uh, I was told by the doctor, well, you will never play again, but you're very young and you will find something, etc., 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 etc. I, at that time, I didn't listen to him. Yeah. Could not, I could not imagine not playing a piano at that point, no matter what. And I worked, and I worked on that. And I sat differently at the piano, so I had a, a more peripheral, uh, I was the word, peripheral vision, like, okay. uh, which I couldn't get when I, when I leaned down too much. So I sat back a bit so I could see the hand, both hands. And um, I learned to directed to the note I wanted to. It took me quite a while to do, but I did it. And, um, I mean, those doctors said it's not possible. (laughs) He said it's impossible to do that. Well, it can be done. You know, if you have talent, if you have passion, Uh and you have perseverance, those are two very important words and feelings to overcome something. 
Byron Janice is on the phone with us right now. Recently celebrated his 88th birthday, one of the most celebrated concert pianists of the 20th century. Um, and uh, my understanding, and, and I don't know if you are you able to talk about this, I understand that uh, uh, Martin Scorsese has some interest in making a movie about your life. Yes, well, uh, that is true. But I, I, I'm not supposed to talk about it. That's okay. But I don't know details, and they ask me not to. That that's okay. I, I I read that in the in the Daily Variety. Um, yeah, that's what it was. That's right. Yeah, when you were in Pittsburgh recently, you went to Carnegie Mellon University and you worked with a, a few students there. Tell us about that. Uh, well, I was I would say that there were three students I worked with, and two of them were really talented. Okay, pleased me a lot, and um, uh, it was it was. They they can do things if they keep going. That must be gratifying for you to to work with these young people. It is. Uh, even you know, children. I also I went to the Children's Institute in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? Yes, because first of all, it was told to me by a man who and his wife who have become very good friends. And that was former governor and attorney general. Jack Thornburg, yeah. And he had a son who, who this place helped a great deal uh, in a condition that I don't think any, any I, I, I'm saying this because I was told uh-huh. that they can do things that other children cannot do. They have more equipment, they have more whatever. Yeah. Resources, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and uh, uh, and he's now living on his own with, with help still, of course. But, but he was greatly improved by the institute, uh. and you can imagine how the governor <laughs> felt when that when that. So he's still interested, and he came to the to the. Uh, I did. I came visited him again. I visited him five years ago when I was in Pittsburgh. I wanted to go back. He's disabled. All kinds of, all kinds of ways. Some of them are really awful. <laughs> yeah. Which well, I won't go into all. But all with different kinds of disabilities. And music, you know, music. I think most musicians know this, but now science has finally has finally proven that music, besides the beauty of listening to beautiful music has also another capacity for healing. And it reaches so many people across so many different levels, class levels, economic levels. And, and you know, I went to play at, in Washington, Walter, Walter Reed Hospital. Walter Reed Hospital, uh-huh. yes, where we have so many veterans who are so disabled with no, no legs, no more. It was horrible to see what war is really like. I wanted to play, uh, knowing this, and I spoke to we spoke to quite a few of them, and they all said one thing. I asked them, "What was your healing? What was your uh, your the things that were done to help you uh-huh. to help you recover?" And they said, "Music was one of the most important." I found that absolutely fascinating. 
Your music certainly has been uh, very important. Byron Janis is our guest today. He is a celebrated concert pianist. He is was born in McKeesport, and that's what we want to talk with him a little bit about today. He's got a website, byronjanis.com. Uh, at 88 years old, he's got a blog up there, and uh, he's also got a Facebook page. If you go to byronjanis.com, you can listen to some of his performances. You can also buy some of his CDs. You're listening to Radio 81, WEDO, 1550 WZUM, WMC. K.FM, the new sound of the Bond Valley, and TubeCityOnline.com. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes in part from the McKeesport Hospital Foundation, celebrating 36 years of supporting community health programs and services for you and your family. The foundation works with UPMC McKeesport as well as through the Mon River Fleet Partnerships in Braddock, Clareton, Duquesne, and McKeesport. If you would like to make a donation to the McKeesport Hospital Foundation or find out more about it, visit mckhospitalfoundation.com or call 412-664-2590. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes. Support comes from the readers of TubeCityOnline.com and the Tube City Almanac, and we thank them for their support. If you'd like to contribute, please visit our website, call us at 412-614-9659, or email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com. Our guest is the celebrated concert pianist Byron Janis. You can go to his website, byronjanis.com. You can also find him on Facebook. At his website, you can listen to some of his music, and you can get his CDs and read more about his remarkable story. When I first reached out to you when you were in Pittsburgh, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was your early life uh, growing up in McKeesport. Your your parents uh, came to McKeesport from where? My father was a businessman, and he owned a, co-owned a lot of there was Army and Navy stores. Okay. Well, I bought 10 or 12 of them. And we lived in the Keysport. Then, the then the recession came. He lost every store but one in Pittsburgh. Ugh. Were they Were they born... Now, your parents were, were Russian or Polish or both? And Polish. Russian and Polish. Russian. My father was Polish. Were they born in this country or were they born in the old country? Born in the old country, yeah. Okay. Okay, and you're, you said your dad had a had a Army Navy store and lost everything in a depression, except one store. So, I, I, so we were forced to leave from Keysport when I was two years old. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Where did you go to? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Um, because of, because of the, his business, that's the only thing he had, and you know, and so we had to make do with a difficult situation. Where did you live in Pittsburgh? Do you remember? Yes, yeah, sure. I lived first in Squirrel Hill. Okay. I remember the street, Tilbury Street. Okay. And I went, I lived in Pittsburgh until I was eight years old when my teacher in Pittsburgh, who was Russian, 
name Abraham Nitzel, uh-huh. like you I was engaged because my parents heard about him, and I showed this ability in kindergarten to just play by ear. In kindergarten? In kindergarten, yes. With the teachers playing on the piano, I, could, I played on my xylophone. <laughs> <laughs> and then she pulled me up in the seat. And she, I said, she said, could you do that on the piano? I said, I don't know. But then I, I did it. Next thing I knew, they were in my home telling my parents. Uh, I have an older sister left us, but mm. she uh, she was just playing the piano as any, you know, normal person would do at that time, getting piano lessons. And so we had a little piano in the house. And so uh, they said to my mother, uh, your son has a terrific ear. I suggest you get him starting in, in playing an instrument. Ah. If you actually you have a piano, so why don't you start him piano? And that's how that happened. So they they put in a note on me. <laughs> and that was very upsetting to me because I know when a note was pinned, something <laughs> usually <it passed. laughs> Usually it's bad news when the teacher sends you home with a note. So I was pretty right. I didn't know what I had done. <laughs> it was wrong. Anyway, it was cleared up pretty soon when they came to my house and talked to my mother. Were, 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 was any of your family members, your, your father or your mother or your sister, were anybody else musically inclined? No. Okay. My father, no. My sister, no. I mean, they liked music. My, my father was like sort of virtuosity. Uh-huh. That got him excited. And, uh, my mother used to stand up on the top floor of the, going to the opera there, and she she liked music very much. Mm-hmm. My sister just just normally. But you were were gifted, and yeah. and and were taking piano lessons by the age of four years old. Yeah, and you know these things are born into us. You know, talent. I really very strongly is is something we're born with. You look at young. You you had an offer to come down here to to study at Carnegie Tech, but your your mother wanted you to go to Juilliard. No, I didn't go to Juilliard. Oh, you didn't? No. No. This, that is a misunderstanding uh, and all of the things that are written about me. Okay. Uh, I went, I'll just tell you exactly, Abraham. Yeah. My he called, he, there was a great pianist living in Long Island, and Joseph Levine. Okay. And his life was Rosina. They taught at, at Juilliard. Yes, she taught at Juilliard. He didn't. But this Mr. Little called them, not knowing them, but Russian, Russian to Russian, uh-huh. <laughs> English language. And he said, "Listen, I've got this boy. I don't know what to do with him anymore. I really would like you to hear." So we went to New York. I played for them. In Two gardens, and I didn't know what happened. But my parents told me what they uh, they, they wanted to work with me. Well, I was thrilled because you know I knew what who he was. I was told who he was. She was also a pianist, a very good one, but not not the great one that he is. Who? So I could came to New York at eight. My mother, contrary to some of her. She was one of ten children. Uh-huh. <laughs> contrary to one of the ten children who said, you 
shouldn't do this, you shouldn't break up the family, da 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 and so on. Uh, you make a mistake. Anyway, she did it. She felt she had to. My father remained. So she moved to New York with you? She moved to New York with me. Okay. And with my sister. Okay. Okay. My father remained in Pittsburgh. And we, I lived in New York, uh, studying with the Labines for about oof, two, two, two or three years. And, you know, which was very incredible to be able to work with such a great pianist at that age, you know. And that was, you were you were eight when you began studying with the Levines, and then you were ten when you lost the the sensation in your in your in your finger. The finger. I, then they, were tra- they started to travel more, and they said, well, you must have regular lessons, so we're going to hear you once in a while. But they, they put me together with their associate teacher, a lady named Adele Marcus, Okay. later became the head of the power department at Juilliard. Uh, but I worked with her for about five, six years. When, when did you first play at, at Carnegie Hall? At Carnegie Hall in New York City, I was, I made my debut, concert debut, Okay. at 19. Okay. 20, I died at 20. But I made my orchestral debut at 15 with the NBC Symphony. With Toscanini. Right. I was 15. But it was interesting that I played a concert in Pittsburgh I was 16, uh-huh. Warren Mazzell was 14. Oh, my goodness. Warren Mazzell, as you know, became uh-huh. a conductor, conducted Pittsburgh for some years. Yes. It was by chance that Horowitz was in the audience because he had played a recital the night before, and he was supposed to leave Sunday night by train. So he was invited, and he came to the concert, he came backstage, and was very kind about Mormon's cancer. And he said, when you come to New York, I'd like to hear you play some more. I played some more for him in New York, and he wanted to work with me. And I was his first student. And he and you he heard you play Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number no. Two. Is that what I was told? Correct. Okay. Correct. And you worked with Vladimir Horowitz then for four years. Uh, three and a half. Yes. Okay. I, I... Until my debut at Carnegie Hall in New York, I did play my first recital, if you will, when I was nine years old at the Carnegie. Music Hall in Pittsburgh. Oh, did you? Yes. Do you remember what you played? Oof. You know, I have a program somewhere. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That that was a few years ago. I don't think we need to go. I was just curious if you if you could remember the experience. Yes. And by the way, I went to the Colfax School there. Okay. In Pittsburgh. By- Byron Janice is on the phone with us right now from his home in New York City. He was born in McKeesport. Uh, his early years were spent in Squirrel Hill and uh, has gone on to become a-, a celebrated concert pianist. He's got a website at byronjanice.com. You can find CDs, you can read his blog, and uh, you can read his biography as well.
Support for this broadcast comes in part from the McKeesport Hospital Foundation. Since 1976, the foundation has addressed key concerns that affect our good health, as well as our education, social needs, recreation, safety, and security. The foundation partners with UPMC McKeesport and other agencies to eliminate barriers to all services for all residents of the Mon Valley. Visit mckhospitalfoundation.com or call 412-664-2590. is our guest. He is the celebrated concert pianist who has performed at the White House and in the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union, that is. Uh, He and his wife are the authors of the book Chopin and Beyond, which you can get at his website, byronjanis.com, where you can also find his CDs and his blog. Uh, He is a McKeesport native and grew up in the Pittsburgh area, and we're very happy to have him with us today. Younger people today probably don't understand how significant it was. In 1960, you went to the Soviet Union in the, the, the worst of the Cold War, really. How were you selected? Do you know? I don't know, but the State Department called me and said, we'd like you to represent us. It was, a, it was a new cultural exchange between the Soviet Union and the United States. This was the opening of it. And they, I was very honored that they chose me to represent the United States at this, at this uh, cultural exchange. And I understand that at first the the, the Russians, I, I read somewhere, and this may or may not be true, that when you first came out, they were silent. No one applauded. No one said anything. And then you started to play. No, but there was one thing they did say. Okay. They shouted. They, they, no applause at all. And I thought, yeah. Oh, this was rather nerve-wracking. I said, what is going on? Suddenly they start shouting, you too, you too, you too. And I realized. Oh. Remember the spy plane? We sent over to the Soviet Union as a spy plane. It flew very high, and it was thought that nobody could ever shoot it down because it was too high. It happened before, about three months before. Uh-huh. So the feeling was very antagonistic. How did you win them over? Music. Yeah. yeah. Really, it was unbelievable because by the intermission, I saw, I felt here, music was doing Music and I were doing, were doing what we were, what we were supposed to do, which was uh-huh. win over the public. Some of them came to the edge of the stage and were weeping. And I thought, why, why? And I said, you know, I know why they're weeping, because truly I was the enemy. I was the American enemy. And they found I was, I was a human being through, through my music, I suppose, and through my... So the theory they got from my performances, and and that's what that's what did it. And at the end, there was an ovation that lasted twenty five minutes. Uh, you you and and your wife who your wife herself has had a very accomplished career as a painter, I believe. As a painter, she's very um, wonderful, very talented painter, and you know her father was Gary Cooper. Yeah, and so she comes from another world. <laughs> <laughs> That once she, she was somebody gave her a recording of mine for coffee. It's a very virtuoso piece, fast and very sort of electric kind of thing. So she started to to etch, to, to do some etching that piece. She did it so hard that she injured her her, her wrist, mm. and she had to have a slight operation on the wrist on the t- 
tendon and everything to make the hand usable again. What what a chal again, what a challenge for, for an artist to exactly. for a painter. Hand, hand problems. Well I was gonna ask you about the book that uh you and uh Mrs. Janice wrote. Chopin and Beyond My Extraordinary Life in Music and The Paranormal. Is that... It's a word I don't like. I don't use it if I can anymore. What I like to call it is the unknown. What what does that mean? Tell us a little bit about what that means. And we I've had it means things that happen that you can't explain. Uh-huh. Kinds of things suddenly appear. You're in one room, something suddenly comes, flies into the room, and it, from another room. That's one thing. I mean, it, it yeah. goes on and on. Things appear uh, uh, well, at a restaurant once you're, you're, you're having, let's say, a rest, it's a very strange restaurant. It's a Greek restaurant. Uh-huh. Uh, the place cards are, are, are with, a, with a Parthenon on them. And we have, Maria t- taught me to love uh, crystals, shells, she had a lot of them. And one of them suddenly appeared on the map, of, uh, on the map there, and it was quite like the Parthenon. Mm. It had exactly the configuration of the Parthenon. That sort of thing, you know. And look, the latest things still happen, I mean, they were things that I didn't even want to write about because people say he's mad. <laughs> because a lot of people simply don't believe in the unknown. They just don't. Can't change those people ever. They'll always find an excuse something like that. We, we, we've talked a lot about your work as a performer, and, and we've talked a little bit now about um, your writing and your storytelling, but you've also been a composer and an educator. In fact, I believe you got a Lifetime Achievement Award. From the Music Educators Association. Uh, yes. So, so you've and taught and you've you, you you teach and you and you have written music in addition to performing. I can I still teach not not a lot. Uh huh. Not a lot because well because of my own time mm-hmm. still playing a little. I don't play any normal concerts anymore because the virus has gotten worse. I mean everything is affected. And under our hands is lost some of its extension. As, as you know, we have a lot of folks in the, in the uh, Pittsburgh area who are older and was wondering if you have any advice for, for, for people to, to, for how you have been able to persevere and how you have pushed on. Yes, well, I had really top, top doctors. Uh-huh. And I, I went to one who, then Dr. Christian, who was the Bible, whatever it is, on arthritis. Uh-huh. And then named Dr. Stephen Abramson, who was incredible. What they did was they gave me, well, well, first I had acupuncture, which I've been told about, and I believe very strongly, because if you look at my hand, you can't see that I have arthritis because the fingers are fairly normal looking. Uh-huh. Not if you look closely, but if you just look at them, even on one of my recordings, I have my two hands that I have arthritis. I'm feeling that preventative. Was there anything sort of willpower or, or, or internal strength that you were able to draw on that has... I, uh... I, I, I was. I, yeah. And I've, I believe in 
the unknown. I'm not frightened of the unknown, which is rather most most people are, I'm say. Frightened of it. But I'm frightened of what I know. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the the, the, the the known is 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 a little bit scarier sometimes for me too than the unknown. Do do you have anyone is, is there anybody still in Pittsburgh uh, from your family? Yes. Well I had cousins living there. Okay. And do you, do you see them when you're back in town? Sure. Okay. Sure. I do. And I see, you know, there are friends that I had who are still alive, and uh, I see them. It's, it's wonderful. Well, we'll have to come if if if, if the Pittsburgh Penguins get into the to the Stanley Cup, you'll have to come back and drop the puck for them. <laughs> You've thrown out the okay. baseball. <laughs> okay, you see the. <laughs> but, but, I don't know if I can take the adulation pitching the pitching the first ball. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me, and have a wonderful well, weekend. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Byron Janis has been our guest. He was born in McKeesport, grew up in Pittsburgh, celebrated concert pianist, was one of the first concert pianists to go to the Soviet Union during the Cold War, has been a spokesperson for the National Arthritis Foundation, and wrote a book in 2010 called Chopin and Beyond. You can get an 11-disc set of virtually every recording he ever made for RCA Victor from Sony Classical Records. Go to his website, byronjanis.com. You can also find him on Facebook. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated, WEDO Radio, or those of WZUM 1550. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution or find out how you can underwrite this program, please visit our website at TubeCityOnline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes, or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online.